drinking fizzy water, and I'm drinking wine. <laughs> oh, no, I have that, too. Don't worry. Oh, oh okay, good. <laughs> no, I have many beverages. You got to be prepared. Got to stay hydrated. Yeah, you got to stay hydrated and then also dehydrate. Yes. At the same time. Dehydrate to dehydrate. <laughs> okay. How's Sarah? Doing fantastic. I can't complain. Any you know, plans just... on this housing situation? <sighs> <laughs> She's so mad that I asked. I am because it just feels like... I know. It's a lot. It's just hard to to get it all, you know, like you, you're... you're it feels like they don't want you to have a house. Who's they? I don't know. The people. The who man. Like, the man. You know, I ran into this problem where because I'm an independent contractor or whatever, and I take deductions on my taxes, they look, these lending companies look at the after taxes amount that you net as your income. So they, wait, wait, wait. because I take deductions out, I basically have to do my taxes with no deductions and pay a big old fatty tax bill so that I can show that I actually make all that and have it. I mean, it is a real racket. If I were married or had a partner, this would be like a no problem. If you had the Tinder so swindler easy. right now. If I had the Tinder swindler, gosh, this would right. be no problem for Anna. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it does feel like that, actually. It does. That's yeah. what makes me pissed. Because I'm like, these people are like swindling millions, <laughs> and I can't even get a loan for like for a the, mortgage an amount that is you can no afford. joke, yeah. thirteen hundred dollars a month. Thirteen hundred, and they're like, we don't know if you could pay that. Yeah, we have questions. And I'm like, <laughs> that's. I sucks. know I have student loans, but <laughs> I think wow. I'm good for it, guys. Yeah, it's a jungle out there. I'm sorry you have to deal with that. Yeah. So, so you I feel think like... we'll probably be renting for forever. Really? Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I'm going to have to figure something out or... Damn. Who I'm knows? sorry. I don't know. It feels like... And it's like slim pickings out there. Yeah. I keep reading about how it's a terrible market. <laughs> it's terrible. You know, this house I went to go see, they said they had 90 other appointments for viewings. My God. 90. That's not good. Yeah, and I feel like these apartment companies are really, there's a real racket they're running. You see, I told you the scam culture is a thing. And <laughs> what they're doing is they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, you can apply. It'll be a $35 application fee. And then you've apply, up, you're up against 117 other applicants. That oh, seems yeah. like you can get 10 and you could pick from those people. Let's not forget, Susie has a cottage on the property, vacant, ready for, <laughs> ready for right. you. Don't ever worry. You yeah, know? you have snowboarding pretty close. Yeah, like Plan Plan Z over here. Come on, Plan Z <laughs> it might be Plan C, more closer, yeah, right. closer to the beginning of the alphabet. But. I do think it's comforting though, just to have that idea to like you're never actually going to be homeless. Unless I'm yes. homeless, and then we can that be homeless very together. <laughs> I will not. I will never be homeless. And it is really nice. My brother, shout out to Luke. He's been the best because he just like keeps. He gave me a key 
Slash, I just took his his side key. I have a key, and I just like come and go. Like Lucas is like, yeah, whatevs. And he's just like the best guy, and and he's gonna come with me to get a new car because. And I'm like, okay, you're gonna wear your fireman shirt, and you're gonna do that thing where you put your glasses on top of your hat, like they do. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, but who's they? Do you mean firefighters? Firefighters. Oh, yeah. They all do that. (laughs) Trust me. Next time you see a group of firefighters together. Look at where their glasses are on their hat. Oh, my levels are so off on this. Adam's going to be mad. Adam's going to be pissed. Oh, let me correct him. Oh, we I need a jingle before. for that. Uh-oh. That's Ding-dong. all right. Sorry, Adam. <laughs> That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. I was cracking up at your Instagram story where you were (laughs) talking about the manly coffee beans. Oh my God. It was so, because it really was, it's like that because his, his coffee looks like coffee sponsored by Joe Rogan podcast. But the fact that he bought it means that it works. Like the dude wipes and all the things that are just what we use, but they make it sound like it's for men actually is effective. And the funniest part about that is I was I was telling this other guy that I went on a date with about who's like fits into the NFT guy category who I did not go on another date with crypto guy crypto guy uh, well there's many of them so yeah. like you have to be like more specific sir but um, uh, I was telling him about that like story about my brother and I was like yeah you know it's so funny I was like at his house and you know I was like look at all the coffee I'm like oh Death. bullet coffee this is co-. <laughs> and he was like and the guy no joke like doesn't even miss a beat and he's like yeah you know there's another one called death wish coffee that oh was really I was like that was the one that was the one do you think are they marketed this stuff on Instagram or something is that how this is happening it must be like that these guys are hearing about this from like social Targeted, yeah. targeted, marketing. targeted ads. <laughs> They're like, "Do you want to die by caffeine? Drink this. <laughs> you want to get shot in the your- face with energy? <laughs> Have uh, our bullet rifle coffee. <laughs> to get murdered with get coffee. Get murdered by coffee." <laughs> <laughs> 
Okay, wait. This so is why much. we need the our men okay jingle. I'm gonna work yeah. on that. Our men okay, men and then it okay. should be like jingle. men, <laughs> like you know, like fiery flames, like that. Damn, <laughs> men. I totally stole your bit about Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. You'll buy the whole seat, but you'll only need the edge. And it gets laughs every time. Every time. No, because, okay, I there was a post. There was some. This is not just me who does this because there was, I saw there was a TikTok where it was this guy who had clips of his wife. And it would be like, does anybody else, did anybody else grow up in like the, mid like early 90s and have like a random reference of this and the guy will have his phone out and he'll just go sunday and the wife will go sunday sunday <laughs> she'll like finish up he'll go Wait. hey honey what are we doing on sunday and she goes sunday 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 <laughs> it's like every time and i'm like oh my god this is me i am this woman we have the same thing we must have like there must have been a commercial yeah on local cable yeah television and i just got it in my head and it's probably what's to blame for my horse like low voice to this day because i was just like doing that impression the whole time it's funny and it's true and you're really good at it and you have like a whole script like it's not just that you can go on and on about it it's great i love it a lot oh i love you you're the best did i mention it's episode 592 you guys Whoa! i like that number I made a deal with our our listeners on Brain Candy Crush, which is our Facebook group, um, about because I had heard rumblings that people hate the fucking interviews. Okay, they just don't like them. They want more Sarah and Susie, and really, who can blame them? Who can blame them? I mean, yeah. I don't. And so I was like, oh my gosh, well they're a lot of work. So if people don't like them, I sure as heck don't need to do them. Um, yeah. And I do understand that, like, it's jarring a lot because I'll just be like, hey, Sarah, it's like a surprise party every time. Yeah, I'm like, who? Who's coming today? That's great. So I said, if I do them, then I will talk about it in the in the actual episode and oh, say, I love like, this. coming up later. Yeah, this is good. Up- this is good for me, too. <laughs> Today. Guys, we're just we're just spitballing. We're workshopping this. We're just like we're you're along for our, this ride. This is a collaborative podcast. If you feel like, hey, you know, sometimes I listen to the brain candy because I feel like it's just like me and them having a conversation. Yo, that's how it is, and you're in on this one. Mm-hmm. And you're in on the planning stages. Yeah. So today on Brain Candy, Sarah and I, because I roped her into it. We'll Love be talking it. to Danielle Friedman, who wrote an awesome book called Let's Get Physical. And Let's get physical, physical. And it's the history of women's fitness. And I loved the book because as any good history of anything should do, it's about so much more than just women's fitness. It's about I love it. race and gender and, and yes. class and all kinds of things that affect whether and how we work out. And um, I just love what that. What an also amazing tie-in to the Brain Candy Book Club pick that I picked Bravey this month. It's about an Olympic runner, and she talks a lot about women in sports and how we've done a terrible job of conditioning women in, like, not letting them go through puberty and basically put pushing their bodies to this place where they break, and then we're putting them through the same, like, rigorous training schedule that a man's body goes through, and they're different, mm-hmm. and they need that puberty time, and... Mm-hmm. 
it causes all this eating, just all this stuff. And so I am, this is, I I'm sure there's a lot of overlap to learn more. Yeah, yeah, because it is fascinating. And, you know, if you're just living your life, like for instance, even when I think about the pandemic, we're just, yeah. okay, we know this is happening. There's this huge thing that is probably a watershed moment historically, but our lives also continue day to day. And so you still have to go have cereal or whatever and take your kid to school or whatever you do still happening. So like, even when we think about the great depression, you kind of think of it as like all encompassing, but people still fell in love or broke up (gasps) or had babies or whatever. Yes. And so it's so cool to learn the context of like why this happened and how it happened and how it affected people. Yes. So I love it. So that's coming up later, everybody. And I also told them I would be more judicious about who I interviewed to make sure it would be something they would be enthusiastic about. So that's... Oh, I'm enthusiastic about this. Thank you, Sarah. I appreciate that. Yeah. (laughs) Um, I'm also enthusiastic about how cute... If you're watching the video version of this on uh, Patreon, do you notice how beautiful my lips look and how glossy and gorgeous... They are. Well, let me go. I know what up. you're using. Yes. Yeah, you do. Actually, I brought it in here. It's Thrive Cosmetics lip gloss. Do you, look at my eyelashes. <gasps> do you notice how amazingly long and individual, like, let me tell you about <laughs> this mascara. This is your snowboarding friendly mascara. <laughs> snowboarding. Because it is no flakes because it goes on and makes little tubes around your eyelashes. It's the only way I can describe it. Yeah. So, like, it stays. Yeah. It's like a snowsuit you know for your eyelashes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> right. Well, you know how influencers, I hate it because they always use the word obsessed. I'm obsessed I with know. this or that. And you're I like, know. no, you're I'm not. Not. you're not. You're not. I, I think we are. <laughs> I know. And that, that that lip gloss really is amazing. It really is. And I and have, no stick. And then I even made out with somebody with it on. No complaints. You're so I mean, right. Who's complaining anyway? But well, right. for real. Yeah, because I have been a person who has tried every clear lip gloss mm-hmm. there is, and it's either two things. It's either glue oh, <laughs> or it. disappears in two seconds. Two seconds. I'm looking at you wet and wild. And so... (laughs) For both things. (laughs) Right. And so I was very excited when I found a lip gloss that is neither stays, but is not glue-like. Anyway, their products are great. Thrive Cosmetics. You got to try them because we're obsessed. No, like for... I could honestly talk for like another five minutes (laughs) about that mascara and like... For real. Yeah, it's good stuff. They also have an eye brightener, which I have not tried yet, and I will, and I'll report back. Right now, you can get 15% off your first order when you visit thrivecosmetics.com slash brain candy. That's Thrive Cosmetics. It's spelled like, you know, because, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S dot com slash brain candy for 15% off your first order. I'll put that on Instagram so you get the right link, but you'll love it. It's good stuff. Yeah. I wouldn't lie. Yeah. Okay. Um, well, we know Sarah wouldn't last episode. Last no, episode. right. And I was even like, I was at my friend's Super Bowl party and I was like, oh, oh, out of the blue, unsolicited, was like, let me tell you about this amazing mascara I got. <laughs> and she's like, is it on your eyelashes right now? Because they look so good. And I was like, yes. Yeah. I, I hear you. I believe yeah, you. So, yes. Okay. First up, I wanted to ask your opinion, which my opinion on this subject keeps switching which is always fun where you can like take either side 
Because you can see okay. both sides. Okay. Yep. There is a guy who is one of those people with tattoos everywhere, and then he just got them all over his face. You know how some people do that? Fully. It's on his tongue. It's, it's the, one of those people that's just like, that's the yep. entirety of their skin. Yes. And well, he's a kindergarten teacher. <laughs> And so he got fired from that particular role because they said it was scaring the children. He is still allowed to teach six and up. Um, But I wanted to know your opinion about whether you think that's an appropriate response or not and why. (laughs) Well, I, in a way I do. Mm -hmm. And here's why, because these are things that he's chosen. They're elective things. Yeah, right. This okay. Is, it would be totally different if he mm, had some sort of disfigurement you know, or something. Yes. Okay. And they were like, "Oh, I'm scared." And you're like, "No, you got to learn how to do this." But this, I it falls into the same category as like I think a teacher who came in that was wearing very distracting clothing, that was wearing like just it like would a be space fun- suit. Yeah, but maybe you could tie that into being educational, but it would have to be more more uh, uh, distracting than that. Something that would be just like, oh, that would infringe yeah, like ch- on their ability. Chaps. Yeah, it'd be like infringing on their ability to learn oh. and and focus. And as a child who's very easily distracted, I wouldn't listen to a word that was coming out of the teacher's mouth because I would be like creating stories about their tattoos and mm. the whole thing. And, you know, yes, I understand that we have to get them, com- you know, there are different kinds of people out there, but that seems like one where because it's your choice to get, you're allowed to do whatever you want, but there are certain consequences that come with choices that you make yeah. that eliminate you, you know, from being certain things. Like you can't, if you... Uh, uh, did all that and then wanted to be a, a model for Clearasil skin zit cream or whatever, they're probably going to be like, no. And you can't be like, well, oh, you're discrimination because yeah. I have... No, that's, you're the wrong fit for this particular thing, not because you can't teach the kids, but because it's just a, not what we're focusing on right now. Right. I mean, legally speaking, employers can... I mean, I I got fired or I got threatened to be fired from Victoria's Secret because I had a nose ring at the time. But and yeah, I was told if I got another tattoo or piercing when I worked at Forever Twenty One that they would let me go. They they have like a cap on how many they did at the time. They were like oh. a, a they were like you can't. They did, it wasn't like a cap, but they were they made an exception. And then as I was working there, I kept you, getting more you and pushed more. It. <laughs> And then they were like, we had a no tattoo, no piercing policy, and now you have them. And they were like, okay, one more, and we're going to have to. And I was like, fuck you. Tattoo me. Well, so. And now that's like the, now you need that. They won't even hire you, I think, true. if you don't have face tattoos. <laughs> you really blazed the trail. You walked so they could run. I did. Um, I mean, so legally speaking, they can do whatever they want. But I. Yeah. I I saw the article because a person that I follow who's a tattoo artist was saying like I'm glad my children have been around people with tattoos so they would already know that it's not some sort of scary reflection of a sinister right. whatever yeah. motives um and so that made me think about it differently and I thought well what why why do we make it? 
maybe it's a problem that your children will be scared by that because it's yeah. just their skin. Scared, I think, is the word that we're focusing on that's the wrong word here. Like, I think the reasons they're, they're oh. to say we're letting them go, them go because these children are scared, that I wouldn't agree with. No. Well, they, but the parents say, were claiming their kids had nightmares. But I see what you mean. You think it's more of a distraction rather than yes. a fright. And I think the, the kid, the, it's a distraction that happens to be manifesting with nightmares as nightmares and things like that. But okay. at the bottom, of the, at, the, at the end of the day, it's a distraction. In the same mm. way, like if it were a high school teacher who came in like, I don't know, dressing all cuckoo crazy and weird and like wearing like a tutu and like had a mohawk and weird stuff going on. And like it, it got in the way of learning because it's like what we do with the kids. We say like it, cause it does, it is a distraction in the classroom. And you know, there's a part, there's a time for us to learn about experiment and, and dabble with individuality and, identity and then there's also a real benefit to teaching a little bit about conformity and mm-hmm. i think elementary school is an age where you need to they need they need those rules they need to feel like there are oh so you kind of want to encourage conformity at that time yeah is that what you're saying Oh, interesting. I, I think naturally, I don't even think I want, I want to encourage it. I think we as, hu- as human beings need that. We, we gravitate towards that. And that's why you see clicks in like high school and junior high, because it's a time where we're, try- we're trying so hard to fit in and we need to feel accepted by our peers and by our, our social group. And that's why things, certain emotions like shame and, you know, we, we want... We want our kids to feel these. We want them because they teach us certain things about how to be human. What are the rules for living in the society that I live in? Not all of them are good. That's why we have to, you know, do a little correcting at home and, and, you know, talk about things like that. But, you know, the idea that a kid might be made fun of because he pees in his pants at school and, you know, the... we it's not the worst thing if he gets made fun of because it that shame helps his body go, we need to learn how to go to the bathroom and the toilet. That's part of what I love about Kirby Enthusiasm, since you know, <laughs> we're on the subject, yes. um, is how his sort of hyper-focus is about like societal norms. And like yeah. you didn't follow our unwritten rules about yes. how we're supposed to behave We're as supposed people. to be like this. Right? Now, he doesn't apply those rules to himself ever. <laughs> but I do get why he's like, no, we have an agreement societally that yes. we're going to behave this way and you didn't do that. Right. <laughs> and I think that right. that is an important thing to explore and interrogate. Like, why do we do it this way? And is that the best way? Correct. So you would you say, this tattoo guy, Yeah, it's good that he can teach um, a certain age, you know, where maybe the, there's more context and they understand. Yeah. Okay. It, it's less of a distraction. I'll tell you what's not not a distraction, <laughs> and that is when it's time for therapy. Thank you, BetterHelp. Oh, yeah, they'll help you focus. That'll focus on you that are, mm, right. 
what matters in your life, they have licensed professionals that will help you work through those things, talk about them, make sense of them, because the world's a crazy place. I think we can all agree. I definitely. And you can get customized online therapy, video, phone, or live chat sessions with your therapist so you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. Oh, yeah, phone's the way to go, man. <laughs> you into it? Oh, I love it. Mm-hmm. And it's affordable, and you can be matched with someone in under 48 hours. So if you're feeling the need, they got someone for you. They have a deal for you also. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp, and Brain Candy listeners get 10% off their first month at betterhelp.com slash brain candy. That's B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P.com slash brain candy. Whatever you want to talk about, they got you covered. Um, Okay. Good enough then about the tattoos. Um, I, oh, a brainiac sent me this article about, in this case, it's a gay club, a gay nightclub, but they're having a pheromone party for armpit fetishists. <laughs> and so all the gays go and they take oh, off their shirts and they like Oh, this is a new category I was not aware of. <laughs> yes. Armpit fetishes. Yes. They... Are tapping into this thing where, like, you smell your lover and you know it and you think, I need that. Yeah, and I, I am very familiar with this. What do you think about it? Not armpit parties, guys. <laughs> no, pheromones. The pheromones. The concept of pheromones. Yeah. Okay. Oh, are you? There's a guy I'm dating that I'm really into. Yeah. And I spent the night at his house and I had a shirt that I took out of my bag and I wore when I was at his house. Mm-hmm. I had like full emotional reaction when I smelt it again. Okay, it smelled like him. Yep. Uh huh. And my brain was like, like I grabbed it and I was like, no, <sighs> inhaling. Yep. yep, like hard inhale. If you had to describe the odor, what would you, how would you, floral, earthy? A combo of both of those things, actually. Because <laughs> it was kind of like whatever Cologne was wearing and then just like natural. Mm. Like, you know, I think my body knows when it's somebody who I am, you know. Well, I don't mean to get too personal, but are you on the pill? No. Right. So this is legit. Yeah. The pill messes up the old right. detector. There has no, been no pill for a long time. Okay, I didn't know that. Okay, oh, yeah. so you're Since just sniffing like an animal. It's like an animal. And yeah, and I think I was also, I was definitely um, uh, uh, ovulating. ovulating at the time. Because <laughs> my period happened like two weeks later, a week and a half later, whatever it was, two weeks later. Yeah. Okay, so your body was like, I think it's time to breathe. Yeah. Oh my God, I just popped my jaw out. <laughs> <laughs> This is intense. Yeah. No, and and then I I made the mistake of washing the shirt, and then I was, like, mad about it after. I was like, no, I want that smell back. It just ignited something within you. I think I should go. Yeah, I think I should hang out with him again. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Okay, well, that's a good sign. Yeah, real good sign, right? That's how our bodies are supposedly, like, literally sniffing out. Who our but mate I wouldn't call be. it a fetish. I wouldn't call it like. Well, no, a, because you aren't sniffing armpits like in the wild. 
Yeah, but like I absolutely have buried my face in an armpit before and de- yeah, Adam does that it. all the time. He loves my armpits. Maybe he's See? a fetishist. Because there you he's a fetishist. Adam <laughs> and I maybe have a lot more in common. Like, yeah. He loves your smell. Yeah, loves it. What would you say you smell like? <sighs> a little bit floral? Little I don't know that less. we can identify what we smell like. We can't. Yeah, right. But I, I mean I do love his smell too, which I think, you know, we're animals, okay? That's what yeah. this is. <laughs> yeah. This it's is like, all very natural. Do I want to be with them? Yeah. Yeah. But I I got to say, I would not enjoy being a bartender at that party because <gasps> it is ripe up in there. And the bartenders were talking about it. Even through their N95s, man, they were... No! Yeah, they no, were like, it Suze. is... Because if That's everyone... That's some odor pollution. <laughs> right. Yes. The nasal ranger would have a field day there. What... what? Armpit parties sponsored by Dove for Men. <laughs> right. Well, because... The the I think apparently unbeknownst to me this is a popular gay subculture. The this is armpits did, thing. This I, I I have never heard of this. I usually am. I usually have my finger on the pulse of. Well, you of did the kind of because remember hundreds of episodes ago when Probably. you told us about the bandana codes with the colors yes. of bandanas when the gay guys yes. wear the well magenta oh, is the okay. armpit color. <laughs> That signals that you're into the armpit smell. The pits. <laughs> the pit party. <laughs> if they don't call it a pit party, <laughs> I swear. I swear. Gays. Yeah. Get Susie on. <laughs> get her on this. And they have other ones. So they have like a fuzzy party if you're into hairy guys. They have a chunky party if you're into the chubby, chubbier people. Fire in the hole is for if you're into redheads. <laughs> That could have gone a lot of different ways. I was like, spicy foods? <laughs> right? Burning bee holes? No. Nope. Redheads. Redheads. Yeah. And yeah. so apparently ditching deodorant is a common thing in the gay community. They, they this should be a even... common thing in all communities. You hate deodorant? I do. I mm-hmm. don't. It, there's only one kind that I like. This is not a br- ad. But there's one kind of deodorant that this woman invented <laughs> A bacteria that eat because all all the smell is is the bacteria, and so she invented a product that basically like it's like a microbe that just kills that bacteria that smells, and there's no nothing else in it. You can use it anywhere on the body, on your feet, on your it's like just a cream. And Does it smell it, with an L? Yes. Okay. I yeah. bought it and it works. Because Adam gets very offended because we've been seeing ads for that on the Food Network. And he is, like, upset that they say that, you know, you can put it on your private parts. Right. Because he's like, why why were, why were, is your... Does he know what the fuck balls smell like? Remember how we just talked about how you can't smell yourself? But they only Adam, show women in listen. the ad. Oh, so I no. think he doesn't like that they are focusing on vagina smell. I don't think they are cuz I hear the ads and I think I hear maybe it's just the food network they uh, they, <laughs> right, they, they know who's are watching. assuming that the people watching are women. <laughs> right. Then I'm watching all the other shows. I'm like, funny, I'm watching the two <laughs> Sundays. <laughs> That's hilarious. Are your armpits stinky? <laughs> Sarah said, that's really funny. Your targeted ads are like for men. Okay. They are. They totally are. <laughs> 
my 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 Instagram feed has no idea who I am, <laughs> right? Because I get some ads that I it, it it's like she's all over the map. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, who's calling me? Don't call me. I hate you. Oh Whoever just God, called that's me. So funny. Um. Yeah. So. <laughs> At any rate, yeah, this the the kind that Sarah uses apparently you can put it on your vagina, your yes. feet, anything yes. that smells. Anything. And it totally works. It works. Okay. Yeah. And it doesn't smell it does it like just eats away that bacteria and like I just use that and you're like good for until you take a shower again. Okay. Good to know. Yeah. If they um, would like to sponsor our show. Right, I'd love that. I'll have to reach no out reach out to them. All right, moving on. That um, does seem like a good fit for us. I'm just saying. <laughs> right. I feel like everything we like, they should pay us to talk about it because... Duh. Yeah. <laughs> Obviously. Obviously. All right, let's talk about this because this is funny to me because it relates to you. Okay. There was an article on... I think it was... I forget where. And it was Something. talking about... I think it was Atlas Obscura, and it was talking about, is there a general American accent? Like the oh, newscaster. I love this argument. Yeah. The newscaster, like, devoid of affect, accent, yes or no? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that's what I say. Like, it is the California accent. this is what made me change my mind because i was like yes there is it's called newscaster and you watch the news and that's what they have which is a california accent however i always thought that only sarah was doing something but it turns out it's a southern california thing Uh uh-huh which is what do i do your pronunciation of the word milk milk no, you say milk. Milk. <laughs> yes. And they use that as an example yeah. of a Southern California. I love when Sarah's right about things, but sort of, but not really, but only accidentally. <laughs> yeah, milk and how do Pillow. you say T-H-I-N-K? Think. They say that Southern Californians pronounce it T-H-E-E-N-K. Think. I would think, oh, you know what? I would. If I were saying it in a sentence and I was like, well, I think we're going to go to, it would be think. Think. Yes. And here's the thing, really, from this article. I wanted, I I make notes when I read. And then when it gets to be overwhelming, then I know I got to talk about it because I want to just cut and paste the whole thing. It is such a good article. I'm going to tell you all about it. But first, let me tell you about something else that's really good. It's Function of Beauty. All you guys writing in, how does Sarah get her hair like that? It's so cute. It's so bouncy. It's so healthy. That is the secret, Function of Beauty. We both use it. It's 100% customizable for your hair. So if you want to grow it long, you want to deal with damage, uh, color, whatever, they will customize it just for you. Just take the quiz on their website and select your hair goals. And then you can choose your color and fragrance, or you could do no dye, no fragrance, au naturel. Go straight to your door. 
and you got a bunch of good hair days coming up, say goodbye to generic hair care for good. Today, go to functionofbeauty.com slash braincanny to take your hair goals quiz, and you get to save uh, 25% off your first order. Go to functionofbeauty.com slash braincanny to let them know you heard about it from our show, and you'll get 25% off your first order. That's functionofbeauty.com slash braincanny to take your hair quiz and save 25% on your first order. Okay, people talk used to say that Midwestern people had the, quote, general American accent, but then something changed, and then they started talking like my persona, Manic Erickson. Okay, so, you know, yes. you go down to the star and you get whatever, and yeah. that it changed, and, like, they were using the word bag before the shift. It was pronounced uh-huh. with the tongue fairly low in the mouth. Like, like you would say bag, yeah. Uh-huh. But then after the shift, that vowel sound, as linguistics say, uh, linguists say, raised the tongue uh, much higher in the mouth, and now it's it turned into a diphthong, like the compound vowel. So now it's bag. So instead bag. of bag, yeah. there's like two sil- two vowel sounds. Yeah. Bag. Yes. And so, oh, I and love they, this. And they were talking about how the vowel in the word coin is a diphthong, like coin. It goes yes. oing. Yeah. And so they were talking about how that shift happened. Okay, so now they're not the general American accent. So, like, who is? And so they basically, Americans tend to believe that the accent they're most familiar with, as Sarah just <laughs> demonstrated, yep. Yep. is the bo- basic. Right accent yeah okay so that's what they did with people in michigan they were like hey what what is the and they said michigan yeah like and they said um they used a specific word let me see if i have it in here um whatever the word was they played it with a detroit accent and then they did a bunch of options which one is the most similar and all the detroit people picked the one that was like had no accent. And so Michigan people can't tell the difference between their accent and like no accent. Wow. And then they said Alabamans ranked the highest in terms of like they they hated theirs. But they said They hate their accent? They hated theirs. They were unlike Michigan. They hated it, but they thought that Mississippi, Louisiana and Texas were worse. Like, so even though they hate theirs, they can identify, like, ones that they think are less seemly. Yeah. I, do you think this has anything to do with whatever accent we, we use as, like, the uh, almost like we're, we're mocking it? Like, whatever the mocking American accent is, I feel like that, that used to be one of that the voice you do, like the Monica Erickson voice, and then it switched to the South. Right. And now we kind of have like a rednecky accent of how we mock Americans. Well, and they gave the example of Stephen Colbert and how he said in an interview, he's from the South, but he purposefully avoided that because he didn't want to be perceived as stupid. He said, I don't think Southern people are stupid, but that's the stereotype, and I didn't want to be thought to be that. And And so... There's all these perceptions, which 
obviously I notice because when I'm with Adam out in a restaurant, I might as well be invisible. People go goo goo gaga for him. <laughs> and we think they sound so smart and sophisticated. So is everyone in England smart and Meanwhile, sophisticated? Susie's sitting there with her <laughs> PhD. <laughs> I get no respect. But so it is silly how we decide Southerners are stupid, British people right. are very smart and sophisticated, whatever. It is stupid how we do it. But I don't know. It's just what convinced me, though, besides the milk thing, was that mm-hmm. in this article, which I'm going to have to have Delia put in the newsletter, you can listen to clips of newscasters from around the country. Ah. And they'll say, like, listen at this second when they say first aid kit or they say the name Abby. Mm-hmm. And then they'll explain why it's not just devoid of an accent, that there is, in fact, an accent. And I would yeah. listen, and I, I didn't see an accent because it was probably similar enough to my what own to speech. Ha- to what you have. Yeah. That I was like, that's... Or like the word um, 10. The woman said, you know, tonight at 10, blah, blah, blah. And they said she sounded like she said tin. But to me, it was Ooh, so subtle. We're going to have to hear those things. Yeah, because it's like we're all lying to ourselves thinking there's a basic one. You know, it's interesting you say that. Interesting that you say that because I was just looking at a video from NPR this morning that was on sound and how we interpret sound. And they played a clip of a very jarbled message. And then they they say, what did you hear there? And you can't hear a freaking thing. Okay. And then they say, this clip says, and they go, now listen to it without the jarbled, you know, mixing yeah. up. And you hear it says, the lemons are sour or something like that. And then they go, okay, now listen to it jarbled up again. And you can hear the lemons are sour, just like that. And it says, they said, there's something in our brain that just like... Um, how we listen to a song and it takes us back to a moment in time. Our memories are so encoded with sound in ways that we don't really fully understand yet that it changes how we hear things. So everybody's, what everybody hears is different based on their past experience with any of that sound or anything that sounds even closely familiar to that so you have more experience with the language with those tones so you hear those things differently maybe don't even notice it and i don't have experience with those tones so i would notice it it's freaky it's totally we can't this is what i've learned in in 590 bajillion episodes however Mm -hmm. many we've done don't trust your eyes Mm -hmm. don't trust your ears Exercise, get good sleep. <laughs> I thought, right, yeah. <laughs> All of that. That's it. Yeah. Have some friendships. Appreciate Have nature. about five friends. Yeah. Go outside. Get That's good it. sleep. Exercise. Don't We're trust your Don't trust Let's wrap it up. <laughs> <sighs> that was fun. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? (laughs) Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. 
So what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. I normally find bras to be so uncomfortable and constricting, but Skims has changed that. You know I love Skims underwear, so I finally tried their bras, and Skims has delivered again. Skims bras are worth the hype for the amazing shape and support they give, but what I wasn't expecting was how comfortable they are too. I've tried so many bras in the past, and the main issue that I have is that they weren't supportive enough, to the point where they felt slouchy. I love my Skims wireless form bra because it's so comfortable and supportive. The older I get, the more I care about actually being comfortable in what I wear every day. And with my wireless form bra, I no longer have to sacrifice my comfort for the support I need. Shop Skims Bras at skims.com, now available in 62 sizes, 30A to 46H. Plus, get free shipping on all orders over $75. If you haven't yet, be sure to let them know we sent you. After you place your order, select Podcast in the survey, and select our show in the drop-down menu that follows. Well, it's funny that uh, you actually bring that up, because I separately had just read um, an article in The Atlantic, I think, or New Yorker. I hate when I forget. Uh Aha, I hate when I forget because it's about memory. Ha, funny. Okay, so this was about how many of your memories are false. Oh, like all of them. Yeah, like all of them. Pretty much all of them. Have you tried to go back and remember it? Well, then you've changed it. And then it, and this many years? Please. Well, and I I think part of what I want to take away from it is like, that's okay. Because the point of memories aren't to be some sort of inerrant record. It's about the stories that we tell about our own life and how to make sense of a world of chaos. So you want to make meaning, you want things to matter. This is part of that, that when you recall something that you're reshaping it, you're reforming it, even though you're not aware of that. I love what you just said that, that when you're recalling that you're reshaping, you're reforming it. We hear the word, oh, I need to process this. Oh, I'm going to process all the time. People throw out that word in therapy all the time. And I feel like it's like one mm-hmm. of those things where people say it, but they don't really know what that means. Or they think it me- it's going to be a-, a lot of work. They think like, oh, I don't even have time to process this memory. I don't have time to process this. I can't, pro- I can't do this right now. All that means is going back. And re-examining the memory, looking at the memory with a new set of eyes, with a different awareness, with the information that you have now, and re-imagining or reworking, rethinking that, reprocessing that memory through a, a lens that's, that's absent of fear or incorrect information or expect unrealistic expectations or an immature mind whatever it is that's it mhm and then we have then by doing that we can we change the memory we change our connection to it we change how we file it in our brain and that's how we heal that our brain goes oh okay let me take that out of the oh, you did this terrible thing and this is why you're not worthy of love category and put it in the, you were a child and you were doing the best you can. Mm-hmm. And you, you're good, cat, and that's it. 
That's it. Yeah, and it's not a bad thing. No, it's great. I think people think of it as bad because it feels so like it's happening to us. It's like we think we're recording everything accurately and oh. that unbeknownst to us we're sort of falsifying our own narrative. But I don't yeah. I don't want to see it as falsifying because it's context to what how what you've learned so far and then it'll change depending on what you learn moving forward. But yeah. the particular study that this article was referring to was about those people like Mary Lou Henner who can remember every day of their life and like yeah. what they had for breakfast that day and stuff. And they were trying to determine whether this is true for them as well, whether their memories are malleable um, and error filled or not. Wow. And they are, they're, um, no different really. Um, there you go. They were, they said 20 people with, you know, the super memories were shown slideshows featuring a man stealing a wallet from a woman while pretending to help her. And then a man breaking into a car with a credit card and stealing $1 bills and necklaces. Later, they read two narratives about those slideshows containing misinformation. When later asked about the events, the superior memory subjects indicated the erroneous facts as truth at about Uh the same rate as people with the normal memory. Oh, that gives me goosebumps. I don't, that, that is in a way, we should feel comfort in that. Yeah. We really should. Right. And they gave other examples, but the, the point was that they have, they're more likely also to remember things that have some sort of meaning to them. You might think, well, then why do they remember that they had bran flakes that day? Well, maybe that had some sort of importance to them, but that... You know, trivial details are usually discarded or can be rearranged yeah. and and changed and that they're kind of like the same and that it's a human thing. And it's probably a human thing because it it helps us in some other way that like as Sarah just described. Yeah, it's yeah. so fascinating. Yeah. And our brain is excellent. I've seen multiple examples recently of how our brain protects us by just deleting certain memories. Yeah. Like the fact that my mom has no memory of her accident before and after is so obviously her brain gone. (laughs) Well, because that would be terrible to relive. It would be awful. Sometimes I wish we got rid of more than we do. Yeah, I would like, but not too many. (laughs) Right, you know. But some things I suppose are about learning. Which in her case, she can learn from the injury. She doesn't need to learn from this the movie going through her brain all the time. Right. Oh, right. But I'll tell you something else that you should learn about, and that is Pendulum, which if you are a guy or gal who has um, diabetes, oh, then Pendulum Therapeutics is a company that you might want to familiarize with yourself yourself with. It's a glucose control. And it can help you out. I thankfully do not suffer from this ailment, but I know a lot of people who do. And diet and exercise alone are not enough to manage it. Um, So that is where Pendulum comes in and can help you get control of all that stuff, keep your levels on track, and manage type 2 diabetes. If someone you love has type 2 diabetes, take control of glucose levels with Pendulum Glucose Control. Use code BRAINCANDY at PendulumLife.com to get 20% off all their products. That's P-E-N-D-U-L-U-M 
B-R-A-I-N-L-I-F-E.com. Promo code Brain Candy for 20% off. And now Sarah and I will be introducing you to the wonderful Daniel Friedman who wrote a book called Let's Get Physical, which we're going to talk about. Just in case you're like, should I listen to the interview or not? One thing, I was going to say funny, but like I don't even know if it is, about the misperceptions about women and exercising in days not that long ago. They thought that if you ran too much, your uterus would fall out. (laughs) You know what's terrible? I've heard this. Shut! Someone is still saying this? Like, I heard that you definitely shouldn't run when when you're pregnant. Right. This is not true. Right? It's not true. Well, so she, her book, you know, contextualizes all these myths and misinformation, disinformation, and nonsense, and then also tells you how things got where they are with whatever you're doing. What are you doing? Like Peloton? Are you doing yoga? Bar? What the, I don't know. What are people oh, doing? Oh, yeah. I want to know all these things. <laughs> but anyway, you will love this interview, so stay tuned. Don't get mad. I hope I gave you enough warning. Welcome to the show, Danielle. Danielle Friedman, thank you so much for coming on the show. Let me show your book for those watching. Let's get physical. How great is this book? How women discovered, exercise, and reshaped the world. What a task! Did you feel overwhelmed with this, like having to tell this whole story? Um, a little bit. Well, thank you so much for having me on. First of all, um, yes. I mean, fitness and wellness and beauty culture and all of the themes and topics that I attempted to sort of wrangle into one story here are so vast. And so the challenge really was just honing in on, uh, well, on fitness, especially, you know, and then on looking at the women who really have had the most impact over the years um, and who laid the foundation for working out and the way that we move today. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I could probably write an entire second book just based on what my editor cut for my first draft. So, <laughs> well, yeah. I was saying to Sarah beforehand, like, I was starting to make a list of all the things that intersect to create mm. the story. Cause it was like race, gender, class, mm-hmm. 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 um, even, you know, religion, mm-hmm. um, the male gaze, all that uh, stuff mm-hmm. that like prevented maybe women from partaking or changed how they started working out. But you did such a good job of like making the chapters tell the story chronologically, but then entangling all that nonsense. (laughs) Self-evident to you, like, here's what the chapters ought to be, or did it take some time to figure out what was the focus? It took a little bit of time. And yeah, I, 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 you know, set out to incorporate those other realms that you just mentioned, because I thought, you know, because they are so understanding the history and that context is so important just for understanding the evolution of fitness. Um, so I, you know, I did feel that it made sense to kind of tell this story chronologically. Um, but I knew from the start that I did want it to read. I wanted it to read as novelistically as possible. I wanted it to be, you know, a page turner as much as a cultural history can be. And part of what drew me to the book the idea for the book in the first place was just how fascinating and almost cinematic the characters are, the pioneers are. 
So I wanted to bring them to life for readers and as a way in, in many cases to, you know, to honor them. So, um, yeah, it sort of just worked out kind of nicely that each chapter captured a different decade, a different um, movement in women's fitness history and a different pioneer who helped to spearhead that movement. And, you know, there was some overlap and I tried to show how everything was interconnected, but, um, but okay, that allowed wait. me to at least tell it as a story. This Sarah, we have, I have to tell you, or Danielle will have to tell you, there <laughs> is this freaking story towards the beginning about the freaking, um, 1928 Olympics. Oh yeah. Clarify what the devil tell happened. Me. Yeah. Tell Sarah. Yeah. And it's so funny. You are the, you're the first person <laughs> who's brought that up and, and it is such a bonkers story. So basically, um, one of the reasons why women were denied opportunities to run competitively and run long distances and run long distances in the Olympics for so long was because during the 1928 Olympics, uh, for the first time they had they had created an 800 meter event for women. Um, and the 800 meter event's really tricky because it's, it's longer than a sprint, but it's not long enough where you can really, you know, pace yourself. So, um, something like nine women came out from a bunch of different countries around the world. They had trained really hard and they gave it their all. It was also like a stiflingly, stiflingly hot and humid day. They gave it their all. They broke records. And at the end, they like collapsed onto the field as one does, you know, when they've given everything yeah. they have to their sport. Well, this, the, the visage of women, you know, oh, heaped over sweating, grimacing, I, you know, looking like athletes, <laughs> looking like athletes, okay. right. Was so horrifying to spectators and to reporters that it it had this. Not only was it covered as if there had been like a massacre, you know, on the track, but it had this chilling effect. And so the event was struck from future Olympics. It wouldn't be reinstated for thirty years. Oh, and um, my god, <laughs> this yeah, is insane. Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. They were described me, as like. like they looked like they were like kind of like after sex like and they were outraged <laughs> by them just being like breathing heavy and they're like this is inappropriate uh, right they brought it on all themselves yeah there yeah. was no <laughs> it was purely solo but um but yeah it is it, it's nuts and it also you know it discouraged just like young girls around the country from yeah. from running and and reaching their potential so well, and the, like, the history of this, because yeah. ideally that would have mm -hmm. been evidence of like, see, their uterus won't fall out and right, everything's right. okay, but it, they used it, they weaponized it against women. Mm -hmm. I still mm -hmm. am unclear why they thought that would happen to the uterus in the first place. Do we know the origin of that story? <laughs> I will be honest with you. My fact checker and I, um, tried very hard to get to the, the root of that myth. And, and as yet we have been unable to, you know, to create However, we are many, many women that that was something that they had been told growing up, that they feared growing up. Um, 
you know, to the, so much so that Bonnie Pruden, one of the first uh, women's fitness pioneers that I write about, like one of her catchphrases was, you know, I've visited a lot of school gyms and I've never seen a uterus on the floor. <laughs> um, so it really, it was a thing. And I mean, I think there was just so much fear around um, women's bodies and women losing their ability to reproduce. And, and the idea of women just becoming strong was very threatening for a really long time and probably still is. One of the themes of the book is about this sort of weird and delicate balance between empowering women and the feminist ideal with um, beauty culture which, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. fitness kind of toes that line. Like, are yes. you doing this because you want to be strong and mighty and powerful? Or is it because you want to be small and conform to this very narrow idea of what's beautiful? Mm-hmm, How mm-hmm. do you feel about that now having written this whole book and looking at the big picture? Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, one of the biggest challenges of writing about this topic and telling the story was was just sort of accepting that those two um those two sort of storylines are are completely tangled up and coexist and fitness is both liberating and oppressing you know oppressive um it's it can lead to both strength and weakness and so i wanted to really kind of try to get to the bottom of how how fitness and beauty and diet culture became so intertangled with the goal of of attempting to be able to untangle them so that we can harness exercise in a way for all the good reasons you know for all for all the benefits that it brings us um i think for much of the 20th century the the fitness pioneers that emerged were quite savvy in that they recognized that just telling women to exercise for strength's sake, even for health's sake, would just sort of never got over because people, um, you know, vigorous exercise was taboo. Plus there were all the fears and the myths. Um, and so it was kind of like, they treated it as like broccoli dipped in chocolate. They were like, no, no, you should have muscles because it will make you, you know, you can hold on to your honeymoon figure. Um, and so it was sold as a beauty tool and it worked, but I, I don't think I, I would venture to say that those, those early pioneers had no idea kind of like what they were, the monster they were creating in, in doing that back then. Um, because yeah, the other thing is while women have been striving to be thin for a very long time, what ended up happening was that as women's fitness became more of a force and a movement throughout the 20th century, you know, the, the expectations were increasingly upped. So it was no longer enough to just be thin. Then you had to be toned. Then you had to have, um, buns of steel, you know, and it just, it just, the the ideals became increasingly out of reach for most women, which was sort of such a a sad outcome of you know something that um, has the potential to be so genuinely you know empowering. I thought you did such a good job though of framing it as like here's all the great stuff, or is it was it just another trap? And as you mm. finally put or a steel, steel trap, as it were. <laughs> and even the language, like you talked about the thigh master and how that particular wording mm-hmm. is kind of loaded and absolutely not great. Yeah. Right? We have to yeah. like 
you know, cage our bodies and like master them. Control and, them. Yeah. Control, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, there's an interesting storyline there where fitness went from being a way for women to feel in control of their bodies and to develop this physical competence and confidence and trust that they had never had. But then it, as it kept going, it then became a tool for sort of society and, you know, patriarchal beauty ideals to control women by putting us on a never ending sort of, you know, quest to-do list. for yeah. to-do list. Yeah. Quest for perfection. And like, to, oh. Sarah, right? Like just when you're here. I, right. Cause I'm like, thinking about all of that. And just even the, the set, the idea that there's a difference between health and fitness and mm. we have not really recognize we're just starting to kind of see the difference in those two when you mm-hmm. did explore that in that last chapter talking about bodies that are not what is traditionally seen as fit mm-hmm. on instagram and stuff saying like oh yeah we do yoga and right. we're healthy Right. At all kinds of sizes and shapes. Right. Do you think we've made inroads there or is this just like a lie we're telling ourselves? I, okay. So having, you know, just spent several years steeped in women's fitness history, I do think we have seen significant progress. I think it's important to acknowledge that. Um, I think it's just we're at the very beginning of what needs to be a massive social and cultural shift. Um, But I think as I do write in my last chapter, which I very intentionally titled Expand, you know, I think that at the very least, we are starting to see a little bit more representation for what fit bodies can look like. We're seeing more body diversity in fitness spaces. And there's, there is pushback. There is major pushback to the unrealistic ideals that are, you know, that, that are presented through fitness and beauty culture. Um, But we've just, you know, we're, we're dealing with so many decades of these ingrained beliefs that um, first of all, that, you know, thin equals fit and that um, fit equals virtuous. And um, we hold so many, I think, biases about people's, you know, workout habits and level of fitness that we're not even, that we're not even aware of that we have to really confront in order to get to a place where we're, where uh, of true liberation through movement. It blew my mind at the end there where you mentioned how health is correlated to how you feel about your body and your size mm. more than the size itself. So if you're yes. a certain exactly. size, but you love it and feeling great, that you're mm-hmm. healthier, whatever, you get it. You yeah, get it. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and there's a study that I that I cite as well that, that basically it's similar to, it's like... Um, it was people's overall fitness level, not their, not their size or how fat they were that correlated or, you know, that, that had a direct relationship with, um, with sort of life expectancy and disease and, and all of the things that in the past we've been really quickly to just to, to attribute to, to fatness without any, you know, question. Um, so there is, right. Yeah. Like we, Mm -hmm. we, it was correlation, not causation about 
the, the bigness of someone. Yes. And yes. then we were like, nope, that's what it is. Anyway, we're going to talk about the <laughs> next 50 years. Right, like, right. Yeah, I would experience it on the challenge when people would say, oh, there's no way that she's going to do well in a final because she's bigger than everybody else. Mm. And all the girls who were focusing on a different kind of fitness where they were calorie deprived mm. towards the end of it and didn't have the strength to last for, you know, a 48 hour kind of event. Mm-hmm. It was easy to beat them because mm-hmm. I, had, I had the gas in the tank and mm-hmm. it was a different kind of. Even the fact that you're considering yourself a bigger person in that story. Yeah. Is kind of weird. <laughs> in, in that, right. well, and yeah, in that context, now, I was a good 40 pounds muscle, more muscle than I am now, but yeah, for, it was, I saw it, I saw, and it was like, People go, no, there's no way that she shouldn't be the one that's mm. they couldn't even link the two. Yeah. I, yeah, um, I, mm-hmm. Go ahead. Sorry, Daniel. Oh, I, I was just going to say that I think the health at every size movement is doing such important work. And um, in, in my sphere, I feel like health at every size is, has become really widely known. I'm not sure, you know, um, how far that extends, but I just think their their research in particular into the the idea that the shame of, or I should say like the stress of living in a body that is constantly shamed um, can be just as detrimental to our health as again, just having, you know, in in many cases, much more detrimental to health than, than body size. Um, It's just a really powerful idea that I hope more people, um, I hope to educate more people about the work that they're doing. I love the section that you did on the girdle and yeah. <laughs> the way that the lycra or the fat, you know, the material that was used to make girdles ended up being the thing that gave women mm-hmm. freedom. Like you said, that it was, you know, a restraint and then it was then used to provide this freedom to women. It seemed like a fitting, I don't know, a symbol for the whole book about how no can be both. Yeah. <laughs> Right. Um, and yeah, I did yeah. harass you also into like showing us some of your paraphernalia. So like during your research period for this book, were you just Im- immersed in contraction? Jazzercise yeah. just all day, just jazzercise in a way. I mean, uh, I'm not going to deny that. I went to all of those classes with my mom in my bassinet. And I just remember, I, well, I don't remember that part, yeah. but she was she was a big time jazzerciser. I think it was ninety percent because she got to wear the outfit, and ten I mean, percent yeah. because like, she had the the layers with the thong in the back. Love I remember, it. I remember it. And it's, she loved it. Some of my earliest like earliest life memories are of accompanying my mom to aerobics in like the backseat of our Buick, yes. mm-hmm. and then hanging out in childcare or babysitting yes. or whatever you know while yes. we danced. And it really, I think that's part of probably why I felt like so intrigued by this topic because it has been it's like embedded in me. But um, did you also watch Mickey's Mouser size? <laughs> of course, of course. Okay. Yes. That was a favorite too if you had parents so who were doing that. Come on in. Come on in. Yeah. Wait a minute, Danielle. You're um you went viral originally with an article that you wrote on the uh sex like the secret sexual history of bar. Mm-hmm. Why do you think that was so 
like people were like, yes, I want to read this. This is right up my alley. It's <laughs> a great question. Um, okay. Well, I think the bar, I think the bar is there's something about it that, um, especially like thinking women who also exercise, you know, sort of are like love to hate. Um, because bar culture can be so sort of prim and it's, you know, it's often talked about as being like the pretty girl workout. There's the, it's very restrained. There's the, um, the dancer's body promise of it. I think the contrast between like that culture and what turned out to be this completely insane origin story, you know, just, um, got people's attention, but the, yeah, the, the brief, um, the premise of that, I mean, I had started taking bar and I was sort of, um, I was surprised by how, despite the primness, like how sexual many of the moves were, you know, the tucks so and sexual. the thrust. Yeah. And no I went one with was, my mom and I was uncomfortable. Totally. Like, and no one's acknowledging it. Everyone is super serious. No one's like, <laughs> laughing or talking to each other. And I was like, this is weird. Um, but I also was like, I was doing a lot of reporting on women's sexual health at the time. And I was kind of like, maybe this workout actually is, is like sneakily beneficial for, for women's sexual health. And one thing led to the nut, one thing led to another. And I stumbled on the story of Lottie Burke, the woman who invented it, who was total who was horn just, dog. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. 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 And, and just super eccentric. And, um, it turned out those, those moves are like the great, great grandchildren, great, great, great grandchildren of what she created, which she named, like her moves were actually called the prostitute and like the French toilet and the sex. Yeah. So now now it makes sense of why I love, I was, I did that when I was getting married, like in my yeah. Mm-hmm. Into the Me too. Me too. Yeah. And I, it did. I was in the best shape because it was like the opposite of everything I was ever doing to work out before. Exactly. Yeah. Like, yeah. These are cool moves because usually you're just <laughs> throwing a sandbag over your shoulder. Right. Right. And so yeah, yeah, it was, it was something, but I, and then my, I was at the class with my mom and they were like, Oh my goodness, you're amazing. Do you have a dance background? Mom was like, oh, Yes, I do. <laughs> All the tears of jazz are says. I was like, oh, I love it. <laughs> yeah. I would definitely be a little like if I went with my mom, I would have her stand like yeah. several feet away. <laughs> yeah, Danielle's like Danielle's like you know, blowing ladies' minds. Like she's yeah. like, you know, this modest, elegant thing you thought that you were doing to get a little <laughs> little toe. Um, do you have a favorite workout craze that like, mm, like a historical craze could be new or old. Doesn't matter whichever, you know, I, I mean, I we're coming full circle here, but I, I love jazzercise yeah, and actually this in particular, like, and there, I think actually the full length, this is let's jazzercise with Judy Shepard miss it from 1983. I think the full thing is on YouTube actually. And oh, I want to watch. it's just, it's so weird. It actually, um, it almost, it really like to modern eyes looks like Kristen Wiig, you know, playing a, a, an aerobics oh, yes. instructor <laughs> and you just can't look away, but there's something also like so joyful. And so if I could just do that as my workout forever, and maybe I can, um, I'd be yeah. happy. Sarah, what's <laughs> your favorite? Is it jazzercise? 
The oh, Thigh Master. Let's not forget no, your Jeff, history with that. You know what I do? I am a big fan of uh, that I went to a couple classes of, and it surprised me because I wasn't thinking I was going to get what I got out of it, was the S-Factor classes. That was like the pole the dancing. Pole. Okay. Mm. Yes. And this one was like more women's sensuality. And because it is kind of hidden in a lot of these, you know, it's like mm-hmm. a safe space, mm-hmm. you know, women only. There were no mirrors in this class. And so that one, that was like a, a surprising one for me. That was pretty, pretty fun. Yeah. I do also have a special place in my heart for Jane Fonda. Absolutely. Anyway. I mean, my friend had a Jane Fonda workout mat. And every time I would spend the night at her house, that was like what I slept on when we had our sleepovers and put underneath. Oh, amazing. So she was like, you want to come over and sleep about Jane Ooh, Fonda? Got there? Like, yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> this Danielle is the, the Jane Fonda record. Oh my God. I love this. She is I also, so great. Yeah. I have, I have my, it's actually heavily like marked up, but this was my, this was the original Jane Fonda workout book, which oh my God. is signed. I, I got this like off of Amazon and it came, I, I don't even think it advertised that it was signed and it had like this ticket from an event that she did oh, in 1982. You were, okay. You were supposed to have that. Yeah. That is the universe <laughs> yeah. being like, there's yeah. only one person who needs, it is, oh, can we just like recognize how awesome it is that you got that, that was signed? That, That's so true. I know. Oh, I know. Nobody else got that? <laughs> that is awesome. lucky. Yeah. That feels yeah. very cosmic, yeah. very meant to be. I love the story. I, you know what, Danielle, I love that chapter on Jane Fonda because Okay, Jane's like totally fucked up. I love it because, you know, who isn't? Mm-hmm. And, but yet, you know, created something really cool and empowering, even though it is fraught and problematic at times. Mm-hmm. And like white ladies, smallness, yes. all that jazz. But that jazz Empire. Jazz. Yeah. yeah. On the yes. backs of us. Yeah. <laughs> insecurity. But yeah. I mean, I mean, she, I think the intention was good. It, it, I, I was about to say, I mean, I do think she was very well-intentioned in what she created. And like, when you go back and if you like really look through this book and I tried to pull out the highlights in my book, but she, you know, she's very explicitly talking about like bashing the weaker sex, the women are the weaker sex stereotype and encouraging women to develop muscles. And, um, and then, you know, I think she, so she had her original workout studio in Beverly Hills and then with the book and then with the VHS, um, she, she wanted to kind of like democratize women's fitness, which, you know, there, she, she was only able to do to an extent, but the idea was to, to bring it to the masses. Um, and then her, her video, you know, even though she was actually reluctant to do a video at first, went on to be one of the best-selling home videos of all time. It sold 17 million copies. So no joke. Well, um, and I kept, um, go ahead, go ahead. I want to see what you're about to grab. <laughs> I'm just, now I'm just getting excited. So another treasure that I, that I have. So this was a brochure for her original uh, Beverly Hills workout studio. Wow. Oh yes, yes, yes so to that. Cool. Look at her. Look at her. I would go sign me up. Hot stuff. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And it's, I mean, actually, and this was like a friend of a friend had saved this. And I mean, a, a, a friend of a friend who had used to work out there and it's in pristine condition. And so this was just very, very jealous. Wow. Yeah. It's very interesting too. I just want to add, like, you know, I think there's been a lot of conversation about how wellness, wellness feels like a very 
contemporary, like last, I don't know, you know, five, 10 years sort of phenomenon. But like the first line of this is the workout represents a holistic approach to, to physical and mental wellness. I mean, so there are, there are deep roots here. Yeah. Right. We had some things right in the seventies. Yeah. Like it was (laughs) just like, but it was embedded in like all kinds of bullshit, which, you know, everything still is. So what's new Mm -hmm. there? Here's what I will say. Cause I really am so glad I read this book and I know our listeners will love it because it changed how I feel when I work out. Oh, Mm. that's good. Yeah. It makes me so happy to hear. Yeah. Honestly, it made me feel a connection to a line of women who like stuck their necks out. A lot of them were like sexual, like sexually ambiguous. Some Mm -hmm. of them were leses. I love my leses. And like, (laughs) they were saying like, we deserve to feel our bodies and Mm -hmm. be strong and Mm -hmm. move Mm -hmm. them and Mm -hmm. be in touch with them and Mm -hmm. not feel shame. And it, it did, I felt connect me to that. And it gave me more of a joy about it because I get a sitter's high, Danielle. Like I, (laughs) I love working out Mm -hmm. unlike you guys that get the endorphins or whatever the hell. Um, but you (laughs) added (laughs) some joy to my routine and I, I'm so thankful to that. It was really good. That, that truly makes my day because that was, that was one of my goals. I mean, I, and I was partly looking for additional meaning in my own workouts and, you know, exercising. Um, but in finding that for myself, I wanted to impart that to others. Um, yeah. Sarah, you have to ask her what we ask everybody. Oh, my favorite question. We ask everybody, uh, because we feel like it reflects where you are in your life. Mm-hmm. Uh, what do you keep in the trunk of your car? I if you have a car, city. Also, yeah, I was just going to say, I know that always is like the worst when they're like New York city riders too. Okay, like, but do you have a backpack? Yeah. Like a go everywhere. Go back. <laughs> um, no, that's it. Well, right now it's also like, what do I keep in the undercarriage of my son's stroller? Because right that is sort of like Same. my that's SUV. <laughs> yeah. What's in there? Uh, I mean, along there. with diapers and, um, Oh gosh, it's going to be really boring. I mean, it's like, it's like a sad state. It's masks, uh, (laughs) wipes. Um, I do usually have an extra, like an extra lipstick, some extra, um, beauty products. Yes. It it is practical. Did you grow up in New York? No, I'm from Atlanta. So, um, I, I grew up driving and I was going to say another probably lens into my life is that like, I haven't, I, I, I now have like lost the ability to drive that I had when I was 17 years old. And, um, I feel like New York, there's like that, there's like a, you know, there's the delayed adolescence sort of that comes from living here. And that's very much of a part of it. Like I, um, I re- I have to like rely fully on other people at the moment, <laughs> which, which I don't love. I don't love, and, but, um, I'm hopeful that someday I can like regain the skills that I had when I was a senior in high school. I think it's just kind of like riding a bike. Yeah. Yeah. Do you remember though, when you lived in Atlanta, did you have a trunk on your car? Cause w- was it messy? Basically what I'm getting at is like, was it minimalist uh, or like full of crap? Oh, 
totally messy, totally messy. I drove like a 1989 Nissan Maxima and (laughs) (laughs) despite my best attempts. And yeah, like if I were to turn the camera a little bit (laughs) where I'm sitting to, you would get a glimpse of what. Yeah, yeah, so. um, Okay, last thing I want to know because I just can't get enough of this book is like, was there something that really shocked you that you learned in your research about women's fitness? Um, I mean, I think on like a broad level, just how recent so much of this history is and so many of these developments are. Yeah. I was really shocked to learn that women were not like allowed to run uh, an Olympic marathon until 1984. I mean, that, that That is unreal. Yeah. That's our lifetime. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. I can't deal with this stuff. Yeah. Same. I'm sorry. Anybody (laughs) who says there's not a problem with gender equality needs to just go back couple of years. Minutes, yeah. <laughs> I know. I know. And oh, God. sports bra wasn't invented until 1977 didn't come out until 78. So, um, yeah, yeah. Um, and it just speaks to how little women were really moving in a intentional way, you know, vigorous way for so long. So, um, I was I was sort of continually shocked along the way, but those are some of the, the big ones I'm sure. that stand out. Yeah. Well, let's get physical is phenomenal. I hope everybody reads it. It's it is fun. It is a page turner, but it also provides such great historical context for what the heck we've been through as women and what's still happening. It's just wonderful work. Good job. Thank you. Thank you so much. I really Thanks appreciate for that. coming on the show. Great to be here.